Hello and welcome to episode three of season two of the official Copper and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Preston Hodgkinson, and joining me today as a co-host is Corey Travers. Unfortunately, with it being Thanksgiving, Shona wasn't able to make it here, so it's just going to be me and Corey for today's episode. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about when it comes to the Oilers. Now, preseason is over. The Oilers had an impressive, what was it, like 4-1 and one record or 5-1 five on, five and one record. It was a pretty good preseason. Something like that. Yeah. Um, and they, they made their final cuts today. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, and yeah, the, the season gets going in a, in a few days here. Um, what, what's the outlook go, looking like so far, Corey? I mean, I, I'm pumped up. Like, yeah, no, me too. I'm thinking preseason hockey just carries on over to the regular season, just like it always does. Uh, which if you want to look that up, no, I don't think there's like very much correlation at all, but, uh, <laughs> no, I'm feeling good. I went to one of the games and they won and it was fun. So. We'll yeah, for sure. No. More of that. I was able to go to two of the games. And it was just so fantastic to be out in that arena and have having yeah. people cheer in the stands again. It's just nothing like being there in in person, right? So it's for sure. it's awesome. The the boys are rolling. Um, despite some of our criticisms over the the summer, they seem to be playing pretty well together. Um, but first, let's get into these final cuts here before we start gushing too much, because there's always got to be some some negatives to ground us here. Um, so first off which a good move that was unexpected from me anyways. Uh, Kyle Turris is on waivers. Uh, I know a lot of people around the team thought he would make it. Um, he was uh, this year's best shape of your life candidate. Uh, a lot of the media yeah. here was uh, was banging that drum. So to see him on waivers is good, I think. He, he didn't really impress me that much, but what were your thoughts on this? I didn't really notice him all that much, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch a ton of preseason hockey. I, I went to one and I watched most of two others on tv but i i don't know i kind of wasn't watching them all that intently i guess like you would a regular season game where you really care about the outcome uh yeah he didn't really jump out to me at all um which is kind of something you can say about kyle turris in the best of times yeah uh, at least during his oilers tenure so um yeah i'm not really well in a way i am surprised because I think we all had him penciled into a, a roster spot, not so much because we thought we de- he deserved it, but just because we thought, you know, David likes his veterans and it's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I'm a little pleasantly surprised that it actually, I think the reason is that like a few fringe didn't know how they were going to do type guys played really well in the preseason and actually kind of forced Tibbet's hand a little bit, which is, which is awesome. Yeah, for sure. He he definitely fits the the description of a of a tippet guy. You know, he's a he's a veteran player. He kind of has to grind it out uh, to to make a role on the team. Um, don't know how he did on the special teams. Like like you, I didn't watch the preseason very intently, but in what I did see, yeah, nothing special there. I, I've heard that there's potentially a paper transaction to make the the most of the LTIR, and that he won't actually be sent down. He'll just clear waivers and then they'll bring them back. So I'm hoping that's not the case because I don't think he's really the type of player you you need to have in that bottom six. Um, I next did up pull was... up daily faceoff just to kind of see what they have our opening day roster looking at. And this is as of yesterday, so it won't be as current as the news that that, that we do have. But tourists, they do have on the fourth line. So I, I don't know what that says. It probably probably means less because it is a day old information and this is new information. But it might might be a paper transaction. You might you might be onto something there. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe someone steps up and takes them. Like maybe this this podcast is immediately dated by tomorrow as we lose tourists. Um, and then the other guy going on waivers with him was William Legison. He's another guy. 
be like he's just a guy right he's he doesn't do much to to make me a big fan of him and i just really don't care all that much about him i'm not surprised to see him on waivers as i don't think dave tippett was going to play him above guys like chris russell and cuckoo on that uh, that third pairing lefty so um another not so surprising one i'd say yeah he's like like you said he's a guy um you know, part of me is like, well, you know, he's probably as good as Cuckoo is. He's probably close to as good as Russell is. So, like, he gets a lot less fanfare. Obviously, he's not as much a chippet guy as those guys are. Uh, there's nothing wrong with William Lagason. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wrote, as I think I've mentioned every time I brought him up, I think two years in a row, I wrote the top 25 under 25 on him. And it was just like, yeah, he's fine. Uh, his floor is like a guy who can be a decent AHLer or like a very, very low end NHLer, but his ceiling is like basically the same as his floor. He's just like, not. <laughs> there's nothing special. He, do- he doesn't excite you in any way, which, yeah, uh, you know, isn't sounds really mean, but I mean, it's not the worst thing you can say about a, a I mean, player. Not everyone caliber. in the NHL can be like superstars, right? And just being yeah. a guy in the league is impressive itself. And I, I, I just don't see him being that much more than a, a third pairing, maybe shutdown guy um, at the very best, maybe. But uh, yeah, it, it'll be a guy who gets called a shutdown guy because he doesn't score enough to be called anything <laughs> else. But yeah, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I am curious as whether another team will um, take a flyer on him and, and claim him because, um, you know, we've seen some weird waiver claims over the last few weeks of some no names getting called. So why not? Why not claim Legacy? And, um, so that'll be interesting for tomorrow. Um, last move of the trio of moves that the Oilers made on uh, Sunday was uh, assigning Stuart Skinner back to the AHL. I think this was a, another expected move from the team, but uh, Skinner had a fantastic camp. He came in in every appearance. He played fantastic. I don't think anyone expected him to usurp one of Koskinen or Smith, but uh, I think it's going to be a good move to get him back in the AHL. And who knows? We could see him back here sooner rather than later, I think. For sure. The, the Condor's got a good one, which is nice. It's always, uh, you know, you got to think about them too. It's nice to have our farm teams fans see a couple of wins. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Skinner has a very legitimate shot of being the Oilers goaltender of the future. Um, obviously Shona's not on tonight, but she's always raving about Skinner. So I think we should at least mention that if she were on, she would be saying things, nice things about him, which, uh, <laughs> You know he deserved because he had a, he had a really good camp. Yeah, no, for sure. And if if uh, one of Koskinen or Smith uh, struggle or get hurt, which at this point I'm kind of expecting one of that one of those two things to happen, especially with Smith being, uh, we've already seen him in some physical games this season, uh, throwing some punches. Uh, um, he almost got hurt in the last game he played, um, and he is 40 years old, I, I believe, right now. So um, injuries yeah. will happen. So if that happens early in the season, I think Skinner could break out and really make a name for himself. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And I don't think we've seen the last of Stuart Skinner in Edmonton this season. Um, So yeah, the final cuts were made. Those guys um, obviously on waivers sent to Bakersfield. The two names that I thought uh, was encouraging to see um, survive those cuts was uh, um, uh, Benson and McLeod are not going back to Bakersfield just yet. Um, so my question to you is, do either of these guys make it into the opening night lineup or is it just a, a case of them playing it safe and making sure that Benson doesn't go through that waiver wire? I think I like 
McLeod's chances better than Benson's. Yeah. Um, although it's probably, I mean, especially with Turris being on waivers now, like that kind of opens up a wing spot if that's not just a paper transaction. And McLeod, like, I, I don't know if he cracks the four centers that they're going to have, especially with dry title playing center now. So like really it's just the third and fourth center, really the only spots that are, uh, you know, a question mark with probably being like, I guess like Derek Ryan and Devin Shore being the, the favorites for those spots. Um, I would probably have McLeod, uh, you know, if I were making the, the, the lineup as the four center, uh, I don't think he'll, you know, it's probably less than a 50% chance that he's there on Wednesday night or, uh, but you know, I, I think he'll get a decent amount of games in the NHL this season for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think Dave Tibbet already went out, um, might have been Saturday or Friday saying the guys remaining in camp. He expects all of them to to play at least spend some time with the big club this year. So that's that's positive to see for Benson, a guy who's only had what like eight games in the league and, and people were already like Yeah, like, I wanted to say seven, but maybe it was just like seven two years ago and then you might have one other one some but either way. Yeah, less than just, ten. People were already writing him off. I'm like, dude, just let the guy play ten games at least, man. We have not given him a fair look at all um in, in games yeah. that matter, right? So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see whether Benson can crack that fourth line. I think right now, I think Dave Tippett is like married to the idea of Perlini, Shore, and Turris being that fourth line. That And that just sounds like a Dave Tippett line. It just rolls off the tongue for a Dave Yeah, Tippett that's line, what I so. mean. I just pulling up daily face off earlier. That's exactly what they have as the Oilers projected fourth line for opening night. So, yeah, I mean, the smart money's on that but hopefully we can get a Benson in there, maybe a McLeod in there as well. Yeah. Uh, Pelini um, deserves his spot on that line for sure. Oh, if, yeah, not, for sure. if not higher in the lineup. Yeah. Uh, I, I think last week's either. podcast, I argued that maybe he could even, you could even switch him to the right wing and play him on that third line, right? Yeah. Give him a shooter with Fogel and Ryan. Like it, it could work, right? He's played that well. I think that's, I mean, that's what, the way I'd probably do it. That, yeah. that, that's a legitimate, like very scary third line. It gives you a little bit of everything too. Like Fogel's a big body. Uh, uh, Derek Ryan's a responsible uh, defensive center who can uh, chip in offensively once in a while too and win faceoffs. And Perlini's just that pure shooter. You just feed it to him, and he'll he'll find a spot. Right. Um, speaking of Perlini, yeah, Ryan I know and Perlini, I think would actually make quite a duo with with yeah. Fogel kind of being more like the the puck retrieval corners type guy there. Yeah, and I know you've been all over Perlini since we signed him, since we started the season of the podcast. You've been calling uh, Perlini a guy that is more skilled than a lot of people make him out to be, and he's gone out there and absolutely proved you right. So, uh, yeah, yeah a- just give me, give me some more, give me some more of that Perlini magic that you predicted uh, earlier. Absolutely. I mean, even I like I'm probably close to as big a Perlini fan as there is. Um, Cause I don't think there's many huge Perlini or at least there wasn't prior to camp. Uh, but even, <laughs> like, you know, I did not see this coming. This is well above. I thought, you know, Hey, maybe this guy makes the team uh, over the course of a year, you know, maybe you get 15 goals out of them or something, or maybe not even 15. That's a lot of goals for a fourth liner, maybe 10 goals. Uh, but yeah, I did not see preseason goals leader for the team, Brandon Perlini. Like that's, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. What, what, where do you rank in preseason league scoring here? Sorry about that. Someone's knocking on my door. Honestly, not sure. I was actually kind of just like guessing when I said uh, goals leader because I don't know. I think he is uh, the goals leader for the Oilers, but I'm just I'm wondering where he ranks in uh, the league now. I'm just gonna give this uh, give this a quick Google search. 
preseason NHL stats. Perlini's got to be. Yeah, he's second. Oh, he didn't. He's tied for first. Uh, most goals, though. He had the most, or did he get the most goals? Am I wrong here? No, he's tied for most goals and tied for most. Strand. There we go. Third. He's tied for second with most points. Sorry, Car McDavid's always there. Let's just pretend Car McDavid doesn't exist and he's tied for first in the preseason. Um, but yeah, wow. I did not see that coming. And 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 like to be fair, the guys he's tied with, uh, well, one of them is Jesse Pugliarvi, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but then also Oliver Bjorkstrand, who's actually a very, very fun player. Corey Perry, who, I mean, at this point of his career, not so much, but was once a really good player. Lawson Kraus, you're starting to kind of Alex Formenton, who's actually not a bad prospect. So I, I don't know. Actually, these are pretty good players he's grouped in with, with six points in the preseason, but still, uh, you know, they're not they're not all superstars. So yeah, and this is news could, to me. I didn't know Corey Perry a little bit, maybe. I didn't know Corey Perry was with the lightning. I must have missed that. I did not know he's no, playing. Uh, I thought he was still with Montreal. That that that, that caught me off guard. Um, but yeah, no, a, a very pleasant surprise over in uh, in in preseason here, and and one that I like none none of us saw coming. Like you said, he was gonna he's more skilled, but uh, like you said, no one could have saw him being that good in that short amount of time. And I know a lot of people, like myself included, I'm I'm guilty of this too. I I would compare Perlini to a guy like Ty Ratty, you know, a guy who like lit it up in preseason and was doing really good and we had high hopes for him. But then you got to think about it a little bit, a little bit closer here and be like, well, Ty Ratty was doing that with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. He's getting that prime time spot up on the top line. Perlini's not getting that. He's with Devin Shore. He's with Derek Ryan. And he's still putting up points and being productive. So that's got to mean something, right? I would say so for sure. I mean, and even if he was Ty Ratty, like that's not bad for like what we expected out of Perlini before yeah. camp. Like Ty Rat the problem with Ty Ratty was expectations got super high because it was like, oh, this guy's gonna play on the first line with Connor McDavid for like an entire season or more. Mm-hmm. And he didn't live up to that, which like he was never going to. Uh but yeah, Brandon Perlini, like it's not like we're putting Perlini with with McDavid and Hyman or McDavid and Pooley or anything like that. Like he he's still like a fourth line maybe third line player so like just to make the team for him is actually like pretty impressive so I, he really really surpassed expectations yeah who knows i think i think we could maybe see like uh you know when alex chase on came to the team and just potted 20 goals out of nowhere yeah maybe a season like that from perlini but it, that's i mean and... i like honestly like i would have probably preferred like, if, I don't know. It's it's so easy to say that, like, you know, I, obviously Shazon has already done that. It's so yeah. easy to say, like, Perlini now seems more likely than Shazon would have been five yeah. years ago to do that type of thing. But I honestly think, like, Brandon Perlini probably has more skill to his game. Yeah. Or no, at least is a better goal scorer than, than Alex Shazon, yeah. naturally. No, I, I agree like that. I'm just saying it would be nice to see him come in and just put a season together like that and out kind of out of nowhere. Right. Um, sure. And then the, the top six, you know, we've been talking about as if McDavid and Drysdale were going to be on those separate lines and the, the past few, few games they've been loaded up, which is a pretty weird decision. I think by Dave Tippett, like Ken, Ken Holland goes out there and gets Zach Hyman for the specific reason to play Zach Hyman with Connor McDavid. So he don't have to load up that top line, but then Tippett, like the first sign of the Oilers losing in that three, nothing game against Calgary. Um, which I came back and won. 
um, Tibbet reverts back to that. So I'm, I'm a little worried about that. I don't know if it's more about seeing what that line can do over a few games and then going back to your regular lineup, or if they're trying to give, you know, a, a, a new look second line, uh, just an opportunity to gel with Hyman and uh, Nugent Hopkins and, and uh, Yamamoto. So it's, it's, it's really, for me, it's a, it's a coin flip as to what we're going to see on opening night, because I know Dave Tippett just has a hard time fighting that temptation. So what would, what would you what would you think about this? Because this is getting me a little worried about uh, what we're going to see on opening night. Yeah, like I, I don't mind Tibbet doing this when he's kind of experimenting with the lineup just because, like if you think about it, like Zach Hyman and Jesse Pugliarvi are not going to play as many minutes, uh, even strength, as Connor McDavid is. And nor are Dreisaitl's line mates going to play so like at some point they're just going to end up playing together just because they're both playing a ton of minutes every night and of course they play together on the power play uh which you know we all expect but yeah like they'll play together they're not going to be regular line mates but they can still have tons of shifts together just because they're they're horses like they play way more minutes yeah than any other forward on the team so that, that kind of makes sense especially like in a situation where they're trailing uh, you know, if you get up big early, that can be a night where they don't play quite as many minutes. Uh, so, like, I'm not I'm not opposed to playing McDavid and Drysaddle together. It's just you don't have to have them together as regular line mates all the time. Uh, so you can spread out the offense. But yeah, if you tip has got to find a happy medium of spreading out the offense and then loading it up when you need to. And I, yeah. I don't really mind him experimenting with both as long as he's not going to rely too heavily on the let's pull all of our eggs in one basket lineup. Yeah. I think that's was really the, the curse of the Oilers last year. Um, depth scoring was terrible and it, it shot him in the foot when it counted in the playoffs, right? When Connor McDavid and Leon Dressel were shut down, which the jets did very well. It's game over, right? No one else is going to yeah. score. So just by, you know, holding and blatant hooking and yeah. stuff that just doesn't get called. Just in the by cheating. But I mean, regardless <laughs> of how they did it, it, it happened. So. Yeah. And, um, and part of the reason of that was it, it was terrible officiating. I think we can all agree on that, but it was also like they were just not having an answer for anyone else to score. Um, yeah. so I mean, I, it's also like it's it's terrible officiating by the rule book, but it's not terrible officiating by how the NHL wants games to be called in the playoffs. So yeah. like, it could happen again very, and it probably will, oh, yeah, it will. happen um, again to an extent. So you do need like, to diversify your scoring a little bit. I feel like every year we hear about the NHLs cracking down on this specific thing, and then they do a really good job of it in the preseason. You're like, oh man, this is going to be called all year like this, really tight to the rule book. And then as soon as the regular season drops, they just throw it out the window um, yeah. and nothing happens. It just stays the same. So, and then we're seeing that with cross checking this year, I think. Uh, I think every broadcast I've seen is like, oh wow, they're really clamping down on that. And uh, I think it's just going to be rinse and repeat for the league in that, in that uh, regard. Uh, then we also have uh, the Colton Skivier. He's still here on a PTO. Um, he needs a contract before opening night if he wants to get into the lineup. I believe he needs to be signed by Monday, which if you're listening to this on the first day this is coming out, that's today. So he either has a contract or he doesn't make the team. I think he's made a good enough case to get like a, a one-year show-me deal on like you know, $750 or 850 i don't know just a sub 1 million deal i think i think it's would be a no brainer at this point right yeah i mean just looking at, i mean there is a lot of reason to think that that tourists 
might not even crack this squad with just like there is a lot more forward depth this year and it's actually yeah. something to be excited about with the uh you know the the unfortunate part being that the the defense is is just mm-hmm. doo-doo but uh yeah i mean i could see with the bottom six like earlier like a fogel ryan perlini and then that leaves the fourth line could be like a shore with a with a with a skeevier and one uh i guess benson because you need a winger there and then mcleod's out of that lineup so you could put mcleod in the lineup move guys around a little bit i mean we're already talking about 13 forwards and that's without even having kyle turris in the mix with him in the mix it's 14 so i like i colton skeevier is probably a guy you don't need to give a lot of playing time to because you know he didn't cost you very much and he's a veteran he's not not really trying to develop his talent but that's that is kind of the the type of role that you do want a veteran to to play because you're not really something their development so i i yeah 100 percent i'm with you like i think he's played well enough in preseason to deserve to be part of this team in in some facet even if it's not a guy who plays a ton of minutes or or even a ton of games uh but yeah i you should probably stick around yeah no he's he's what i think Devin Shore should be right. He's like that good 14th or 13th forward. Um, and uh, he shouldn't get like regular minutes, but um, Devin Shore is, of course, getting probably going to get regular minutes. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that. So, yeah, I, I like having Colton Skeevier around if he's going to be um, that 13th forward that you can slot in every few games, maybe swap him in for Devin Shore or something like that. And um, yeah, he get, brings good compete. He, he's looked good. He's made a few nice plays and few nice passes and I, I think it was he set up uh mcleod in the, the last game with a very a beautiful pass so he's got he's got some uh some offensive instincts as well so it'll be interesting to see if uh he gets a contract or maybe he already has a contract by the time this is out so uh yeah i think we could pencil him pencil him in at least as a at least as a as a 13th forward and at most as maybe the the fourth line right wing um okay so last week me and Shona gave our ideal Oilers lineups. Now, this wasn't a prediction. This is what we would do if uh, we were Dave Tippett and Ken Holland here putting together a lineup for opening night. So, Corey, you weren't there for that episode, so I'm going to ask you to do that right now before we go to an ad break. Right on. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I'll start with first line center. I think uh, I really like what I've seen out of Connor McDavid this preseason. Yes, he's been impressive. So I think, I mean, with those nine preseason points and really no other, no other reason other than that, I think he's got that spot. Yeah. Uh, he can play with uh, Pugliarvi and Zach Hyman. I think that just makes so much sense. Uh, it's kind of reminiscent of those like Crosby lines that he always used to have, where it was just like two meat and potato style players with the best player in the world. Uh, and they made it work. Uh, although I, you know, Pugliarvi's actually got more skill than I think anyone probably ever played with. So yeah. it could be a better version of those lines. Um, second line, uh, the dry line, uh, dry side on Nugent Hopkins, Yamamoto really like that one. Um, you know, Yamamoto's the one guy who maybe doesn't have like a guaranteed top six spot on this team who I've named so far. Uh, but I think he's shown enough that he should, he should play on that line and then really Nugent Hopkins and Dreisaitl being shoe-ins for those, those other spots. Uh, down to the third line, I do like the one that you actually uh, suggested when we were talking about Perlini's, how high Perlini could get in the, in the lineup. I, yeah. I do like Perlini as a third line winger. Uh, it would mean switching to the right side to play with Fogel and Derek Ryan, 
but uh, you talked me into it. That's a hell of a line right there. It just makes sense, right? You got everything on that line. For sure, for sure. And then, so I guess the fourth line in that case, I'm a big fan of the Bakersfield line. Marody's not around right now, but you could have two-thirds of it uh, if you just want to have the guys who are still still around with, uh, with McLeod and uh, Tyler Benson. And I guess that would make... Colton Sevier, your last your last winger. So that'd be my yeah. top four lines. Man, I mean, we didn't bring this up yet, but but the injury, the potential injury to Zach Cassian could have a huge impact on this roster as well, right? He went down in that fight and and uh, it sounded like he had a concussion. I was at that game and it was uh, gnarly, man. Seeing him on the ice right. motionless for like 20 seconds, I think everyone in the arena was fearing the worst. But uh, so he will you, hate, you hate to see that. I mean, I know we talk a lot of shit about Zach Cassian. Oh podcast, yeah, but you absolutely hate to see. Oh yeah, like we that. never like wish almost. ill will like that, right? Like I, I yeah. don't want him in the roster, but I'd rather that be based on his play, not because of an injury, right? That that was really scary. Um, so he's probably going to be out for. You know, he's in concussion protocol. He he's got to have a concussion from that. I no doubt about it. So that's obviously going to going to to shuffle things around for what maybe Dave Tippett was thinking the, the opening night lineup was, but even so, like, I, I don't think I had another I or Shona had um, Cassian in our ideal lineup and to see him not in your lineup either. is just a testament to how uh, his kind of, his preseason has kind of gone so far. Eh? Yep. hundred percent. And uh, I mean, he's a guy who could fight for that 13 spot slash that, that final spot on the wing there on the fourth line, uh, you know, the best version of Zach Cassian is probably a top four line player, but we haven't really seen the best version of Zach Cassian for a little while. So yeah, it's been really kind of it at this point. out of commission here. And, and, you know, a lot of people will have been criticizing on him, not like fighting and not uh, mixing it up. But uh, after seeing that injury, it's like, damn, he's had like two fights in the last two seasons and both of them ended with him being injured. Man, I'd be, I'd be a little uh, uh, hesitant to, to start fighting again too. So uh, yeah. yeah, we're hoping the best to Zach Cassian. Hopefully, he picks it up. And hey, he'll, I'm 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 cheering for him to to play his way onto this lineup once he's healthy. Okay, that's going to do it for our first half of the episode. When we come back, it's going to be a little more pessimistic because we're talking about the blue line. So that will be very fun to talk about. We'll be talking about a few potential waiver claims incoming. Um, lots of good players on the waiver wire today. And then we're going to do a lineup prediction. Now, this won't be ideal rosters. This is we're going to the mind of Dave Tippin trying to extract what he's got uh, got cooking up there. So we'll be right back after uh, these uh, messages. All right, and we're back. And uh, you know, the first half of this episode was pretty cheery. I think we're we're really happy about the forward depth. We're we're pumped up that the season's coming back. Only a few more days to wait till the regular season gets rolling. And uh, now we're going to get a uh, little, little negative here because the Oilers blue line does, does not look good. Um, it's looking pretty rough, um, especially that second pairing. Now, we're not going to do the second pairing just yet. I want to go uh, first, second, third pairing in order, and we'll talk a little bit about um, each one. Um, so we'll start with uh, Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry. Now, I came in expecting them to be you know, pretty much more of the same, um, really offensive guys. They kind of struggle in their own zen, but uh, they, they've kind of just lived up to that. I think they've just been a fine first pairing. I don't think there's been anything out of the ordinary from that duo so far. Yeah, you kind of know what you get with those guys. I mean, they're both very good offensive players. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you could debate whether they're 
as good as they're considered by, you know, the people who just look at points because, you know, Tyson Berry was the beneficiary of a really good power play and Darnell Nurse plays a ton with Connor McDavid. So that's, you know, it's juicing their points a little bit, but like they, they still are good offensive defensemen compared to the average, even NHL defensemen. Yeah. Uh, they struggle a little bit more in their own end, uh, kind of in different ways. Uh, Barry's a bit, better of a breakout passer i'd say nurse is pretty good with like physical play in his own defensive end but he's not the best breakout passer uh so i mean i guess the fact that they have different skill sets and weaknesses like within their their weaknesses is is kind of a good thing they can kind of cover for each other in a little way uh i mean it's not the best it's certainly not the best uh top defensive pairing in the nhl but it's not a bad one i mean it's 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 fine Oh yeah, it could definitely be worse. I think Nurse, Darnell Nurse, and Tyson Berry by themselves, for sure, top four defensemen. It's just together when they're paired together and they're both offensive first guys. You know, they can get into some trouble in their own defensive end. But hey, if they're putting up those points and then helping helping the the top guys score those goals and get the others on the board, I can turn a blind eye every once in a while. Now, what I can't burn or turn a blind eye to is uh, Duncan Keith and Cody Cece because. Um, take all of those defensive weaknesses, especially in Duncan Keith's case. Um, maybe Cody Cece gets better. I know he's had a better history in his defensively in his career, but so far through his preseason, he's looked pretty brutal. But Duncan Keith, especially, uh, take all those weaknesses that an offensive defenseman has in uh, their own end and kind of multiply them because they're glaring when you watch Duncan Keith play hockey and uh, quite painful um to be honest now he's looked good in the offensive end when he gets a chance to be in the offensive end but he's in his defensive end way more often and it doesn't look like he's uh about to change that this season yeah i mean duncan keith obviously um you know despite all the things we've said about him as a as a, as a not great dude uh which we stand by yeah uh was once a really good hockey player I don't know if he's even like a, I, I don't want to say sub replacement level. Cause that's a really strong thing to say about a guy who's, you know, going to play on your second pair, but he's got some really, really bad metrics. Uh, you know, he can still skate. He can still pass the puck to a certain degree, but all of the things that made him a great player, uh, he just isn't quite as strong at them anymore. Uh, which means that his weaknesses, you know, he was never, the best you know muscle the guy off the puck in in the corner or or in front of the net type guy uh i mean those are just like more glaring so like you you dull the positive attributes and the negative attributes just kind of stick out more than they ever used to uh which you know you hate to see as a as a fan of a team that's gonna play this guy a ton of big minutes this year um i mean hopefully he i mean obviously didn't really do the full uh conditioning stint in camp he was sitting out with that uh with his with his uh vaccination uh whatever you call it uh deadline like yeah he didn't get the vaccination right away and therefore had to sit out for a little bit uh so hopefully he's a little slow of foot because he's not quite gotten up to speed yet um which you know is super irresponsible on his part but it's you know if, if he starts acclimatizing a little better at least we don't have to watch what we watched in this preseason which was not great hockey yeah. um cody cc kind of your typical not gonna 
make the big mistake, but not going to do anything flashy type guy, which you want that guy to be saddled with someone who can do a little bit more than a Duncan Keith. I think yeah. usually like kind of cover up the mistakes of like a, a, a good offensive player. Like, like Cody CC, it seems would probably make a really good partner for a Darnell nurse or something like that. Yeah. Right. But if he's playing with Duncan Keith, I think you're just, you're not getting full value out of Cody CC. I think again, again, you're you're minimizing as much value as you can there. I think yeah, both just... Duncan Keith and Cody Cece are guys that you have to pair with responsible defenders, and right. both of them are not those guys. So when you you pair together two guys who should be sheltered but aren't, it's going you're going to get ugly numbers and ugly nights, and that's just what we're we've had in the preseason so far. And the problem with that is if you shake up if you just keep the top four the same you don't promote anyone from lower in the in the in the roster then you're also pairing keith up with tyson berry which just sounds like an absolute disaster sound good no so i can see why Tippett's not pairing nurse with cc even though it makes kind of a little bit more sense just from like a traditional hockey point of view um so like i don't know if he can do any better with like pairing those four guys up it, but yeah, I don't know. It's not great. I think I think the obvious the obvious thing here is moving Keith down and maybe bringing yes. up a guy like you know maybe uh, Slater Cuckoo comes up and plays second second parent minutes with CC. I think Cuckoo's a a fine player. I think he's I think he's actually probably one of the better defensemen we have on the roster in terms of defensive play. So in terms uh, of defensive play, I'd say his skill set is as good as anyone's. Yeah. Yeah, and but then you have Keith with Bouchard, and who knows how that will go. I know Bouchard is a fantastic player, fantastic offensive player. He's working on his defensive zone stuff, though. So who knows if pairing him with a, a guy like Keith would really help him in the defensive zone or vice versa, if that would help Keith. So I think the thing Keith, that would worry me pairing up a Keith with a Bouchard is that I want Bouchard making a ton of breakout passes mm-hmm. because he is, I think, far and away our best at it. And I feel like if he plays with Duncan Keith, Keith ends up doing a lot of what I think Bouchard should be doing. And Bouchard maybe starts deferring to him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, which is just something I would hate to see. I think that would be like the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Um, is, is I mean, really- who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe Keith lets Bouchard do a lot more than I would imagine he would if they were partners, but I, I, I don't know. I don't really see it. Yeah. It's just really hard to, um, like justify having Duncan Keith on this lineup. It just he doesn't look like he fits anywhere. It's just I, it's I, a it is a is it is a tough fit. Like even if even if you think Duncan Keith is like a fine NHL defenseman to have on your team, like this just kind of isn't the blue line for him. Like it's yeah. just it's, it's not a it's not a fit. Yeah, and that's that's obviously ignoring all the the moral and ethical stuff about his character. Like I'm trying to ignore that and look at him as just a hockey player. This play style he's been on the decline for the last five years. If maybe if we could maybe shelter him on the four or the third pairing with a responsible defensive defenseman, yeah, that could work. But right now, yeah, like you said, it just doesn't look like the blue line for him. And then and then obviously for our last pairing, we have uh, Bouchard is going to be that guy on the right side to start the season. At least I anticipate we'll see him in the top four as the season progresses. As for his partner right now, it's down between two names. It's going to be Slater Cuckoo or Chris Russell. And honestly, I, I don't mind either of those guys in the, the third pairing um, lefty, right? I think both of them are kind of the type of player you want to put with a Bouchard, to start off at least. I think as much as I criticize the second pairing, 
that third pairing is going to be a really good third pairing. Yeah. Uh, because Evan Bouchard, I think, is the real deal. I mean, I say that every podcast. I find a way to, even if we're not talking about defensemen <laughs> at all, I'll be like, hey, you guys, uh, <laughs> you guys know Evan Bouchard's really good, right? Oh, no, I'm um, on this but, train with you. Yeah. So him with a cuckoo or a Russell, who, I mean, like, we kind of shit on Russell a lot, but he's like, that's <laughs> the role that he's not bad at would be like the defensive conscience slash. Uh, safety net for uh, someone like an Evan Bouchard who takes a little bit more risk, but is actually like good at what he does. Yeah. Yeah. That, I said this last podcast, I think I, on my ideal roster, I, I didn't have Keith on it. I think I bumped up Cuckoo to the second pairing and I, and I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm putting Chris Russell on my ideal roster because what we have right now, he's arguably, and again, one of the better like pure defenders that we have on the team. Um, we got rid of Jones and Bear, and you know Larson's gone. With all with the those guys gone, all of a sudden Russell's looking pretty pretty good, right? So, yeah, um, yeah no, I agree with you. I think that's going to be no matter who you pair up there, Kukuku or Russell with Bouchard. I think it's just a good a good strategic fit and in, in play style for 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 that third pairing. For sure, awesome. All right, so uh, we got we went through the entire roster there. I didn't get. I just remembered you only gave me your ideal forward line. So could you give me my your ideal defensive lines and your ideal goalies as well? Right. I guess so. so like I feel like I pretty much said them uh, <laughs> without actually like structuring them going through. Uh, so I my ideal first pair would probably be like Nurse and Bouchard. Yeah. Um, and that would bump. Barry down to play with ah oh, man it's hard this right is, mean showing like, struggle from team. the third to the first i'm really restructuring it a lot but so cc's probably better on the right side i guess so maybe maybe barry plays with like uh slater cuckoo on the second pairing and then we've got cc and Cress russell on my third um i, mean, I, I actually don't find like a way that. to get Duncan Keith in there too. I mean, he's probably like when I have CC Cuckoo and Russell ahead of him, I feel like I'm kind of letting a bit of bias seep in there, but yeah. Um, I think, Cuckoo yeah, I mean, I, maybe, maybe I'd have him as my, as my right side on the third pairing with, 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 uh, with, I guess, Cuckoo, it would be, uh, which would leave CC as my seven defenseman, which is kind of weird. But <laughs> me and Shona were just as perplexed as you. It's really hard to put like a ideal defensive group with these this group of players. It just seems like yeah. too much of them clash, or they're just not good enough with the. It's just really strange. I like the Cuckoo and Barry pairing because I think we've seen them in a limited amount of time last year, and actually played pretty decently together. So I think that's something we could see down the line for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be cool with that. I like that. Uh, as for goaltenders, um, <laughs> I mean, Christ, Mike's, I mean, last year's version of Mike Smith is still a really good goaltender. Yeah. That's like as, true. as much as we say bad things about Mike Smith, I mean, we don't say bad things about him. We say he's playing fine. We just say that it's like, you're, like how you're long rolling the dice a lot right? considering his age, thinking that he's going to be the guy for, for a little bit. So he's still probably my number one. Uh, and then I like, I'd like to jump Skinner up ahead of Koskinen. I don't know if he's really earned that yet. I mean, he had a good preseason. What does that mean? Yeah. Exactly. 
I'm a big Koskinen guy. I think Koskinen had a few poor games at the end of the yeah. season and everyone pinned him as like a terrible goaltender because he, he lost a game against Vancouver in the last game. But I still think he's an NHL quality goalie. So I think we're jump everyone's jumping the ship on Koskinen. I think you actually might be right. Like I can't really justify putting any of the young guys ahead of Koskinen at this point. I like I do the thing about both our defense to us. Well, no, the defense is 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 thin. But our goaltending organizationally is legitimately like pretty deep. Yeah. It's just that like we don't really have one guy who I'm super confident about. And that's like the one position where you do need one guy that you're super yeah. confident about. Yeah, we, so. we, like, we, have, we have Skinner coming up. I'm not too sure about him. He played one game against Ottawa and it wasn't a good game for Skinner no. in that Ottawa game. He got the win, but like it was like an 8-6 game or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then you got Konovalov, who is uh, like absolutely lighting it, lit it up in the KHL, and he looked pretty decent here. And yeah, it, it, he's it's probably got the highest great. ceiling. I'd say Konovalov has the highest ceiling of all of the goaltenders in our organization. Yeah, I, I would as well. And then you also have like Oliver Rodrigue, who I don't know, I don't have a, a, a finger on that pulse yet, but uh, you know, I, I've heard good things about him too. So yeah, yeah, our goaltending is in a really strange position right now. For sure. Yeah. It's uh you know, it's nice to have depth, but also you need one of the guys to actually take charge. And uh I mean to be fair to Smith, he did last year. Uh but yeah. it's just he's for Oh yeah, I, I mean, would be the happiest guy in the world if Mike Smith repeated what he did last year. It's just I have my doubts, man. He's 40 years old, sure. coming off yeah. almost a career season with the Oilers last year. Like he was fantastic for the team last year. I just don't see him following it up, especially with the defense as downgraded as it is. Like the Oilers are gonna score a lot more goals this year. But I think they're going to let in a lot more goals as well because there won't be that much uh, as much uh, def- focus on defense as there was when you had guys it's, like Larson and Bear and stuff. I'm torn because, like, obviously yeah, I want the Oilers to win games, and I feel like, hey, with you know, with this forward group, they and like especially the the absolute like top end of the organization with Drysdale and McDavid, like they should be a cup contender, and they're not. But also, like another part of me is like, I really like seven six hockey games it's gonna be fun man it's gonna be all scoring both sides because our forward group probably one of the best in the league and our defensive group is probably one of the worst so it's it's gonna no matter what happens it's gonna be a fun year of plenty of fun games i think um coming up this is probably gonna be a dated segment as well because the waiver wire will be um live um by the time this is up on noon on monday but there's a lot of like really good guys that, that the Oilers could have the potential to claim here. Like a guy like Alex Barboulet from uh, uh, Tampa Bay. Like he's a fantastic young player. I just got to pull up his, uh, his fancy stats here because they're, they're pretty good. He's a good defensive forward, especially. I'm just looking at the J Fresh card from him. Um, 60% war percentage, uh, 38% offense, but amazing even strength defense. Like he's a very good defensive player. Third line guy. You know, bring him in. He could definitely be in this this bottom six, I think. Over a yeah, guy, I know, even like prior to last year, a lot of people had him on their like list of the, the best like prospects in all of hockey who haven't actually like at that at that time cracked a lineup. Uh, yeah. So he's yeah he's still still young, uh, good all around player with some scoring chops. Uh, definitely a guy worth worth taking a flyer on I'd yeah say. If, if the Oilers don't take him someone ought to because this guy yeah. looks fantastic for a 24 year old um then you have um Jacob McDonald from the he's a left defenseman 28 years old I have not heard of him before the waiver wire today um but his 
fancy stats are fantastic as well. 95% war, a fantastic offensive defenseman and a defensive defenseman, like a two-way guy. Um, I, I think you've heard of him more than me, so I'll let you um, maybe talk about him a little bit more than me. I, I mean, guess. basically, like, what you were reading, on, like, that's how I've heard of him. I've just, yeah. like, I haven't seen him play a ton of hockey. I've seen uh you know evolving hockey and jay fresh and all those guys have him ranked extremely highly uh that's because every defenseman and every player for that matter on the colorado avalanche last season ranked extremely highly yeah uh, but when he was on the ice the Az dominated which they did when he was off the ice as well but like to keep pace with the thoroughbred defenseman that they have on that team is is impressive to not be the one guy who's like yeah the weak link I mean, when you're not an obvious, obvious weak link on a blue line with Sam Gerrard and especially Kale McCarr, who I think is the best defenseman in the NHL, I mean, you're a pretty good player yourself. Yeah, so. for sure. and it's not much of a risk if you – like, this, the Oilers are thin on defense, uh, especially left defense, I think, is probably weaker than their right side. And um, he's only being paid $700,000 for one year. Yeah, why not? Like, this guy could yeah. slot in, maybe play a few games. Maybe he steals a spot. Um, I mean, I, we, we were just doing the defense segment and we had so many issues with, you know, how is this going to be an NHL caliber starting to like, yeah, I feel like he solved a lot of those issues by himself um, quickly. If, if it wasn't for injuries to, uh, to Dmitry Konov or Dmitry Samarukov, I think he'd make the opening night roster. If he played a full preseason, I think yeah. he'd be on this roster right now. So a guy like Jacob McDonald could definitely, um, if, if claim could just come in and place a be really solid for a weak defensive group, which would be huge um, for the Oilers. And then, hey, we were just talking about how organizationally uh, deep we are at goaltending. We can make it even more deep. Connor Ingram from the Nashville Predators is on the waiver wire as well. That's another guy that you could just plop in there and maybe, maybe I think he might be closer to being an NHL goalie than Skinner, albeit by a tiny bit, but I think he has a better chance. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll defer to your expertise there. I, <laughs> I always say this about goalies. I don't know much about goaltending. Um, but yeah, if he's uh, almost NHL caliber goalie, like sure. It's like basically goalie prospects are lottery tickets. And yeah. the more lottery tickets you buy, the better chance you have of winning the jackpot. So may yeah. as well. I think that one's a little less likely. Like I said, I think he's I think he's better than Skinner right now. But who knows in a few months from now, right? And and we're already like pulling teeth to get these guys in starting positions in the AHL. Adding another one might just muddy up things a little bit more. But uh, who knows? And then I know Miko Lekkinen, um had his fans over in Toronto before he was traded to uh, Columbus. And uh, he's hitting the waiver wire again. Don't know much about this guy. I will be honest. But he seemed like a guy who stood out as, a, as, a, as another defenseman who you could just bring in to challenge uh, some of the guys you might not be completely sold on, like Duncan Keith, like, um, you know, Slater Cuckoo or, or Chris Russell, right? So I'm not too sure about him as well, but uh, could yeah, be another I option. Mean, basically, yeah, like NHL fencemen who are not getting caved in for other NHL teams will have a legitimate chance to make the other blue line. Like they do not have a particularly strong blue line. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's all we pretty much have to say there. If you, if you're good enough to play for someone else, especially like a playoff team and, and be decent, like you probably have a good chance of making the Oilers. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find uh, 
find his uh, fancy stats, but I don't think I can find him. I think I th- I've heard good things about him though. So, you know, who knows? Another guy you could add in. I know uh, we just saw another uh, young guy get traded in uh, Ali Ulevi today to to Florida. So I don't think you can have enough of those young defenders, especially on a team like the Oilers. All right. So I think that's going to do it for our hard topics for this week's podcast. I want to get into the last segment of the pod and see if we can uh, kind of look into the crystal ball here and get a, a complete lineup prediction for Wednesday night's uh, home opener against the Vancouver Canucks. I'll go first because you just gave us your ideal roster. So I'll let you uh, think about Dave Tippett's perfect roster and, uh, Okay, yeah, we go here. So I think I think the Oilers will eventually see the light here and split up McDavid and Drysaddle onto separate lines. So it's going to be a very basic top six. You know, we've been predicting it all summer. It's going to be Hyman, McDavid, Puliyarvi on that first line, the dry line with uh, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Leon Drysaddle, and Yamamoto on the um, second line. As for the bottom six, Warren Fogle I think is a lock for the third line left wing. I would like to see Ryan McLeod as the third line center, but I think Derek Ryan has done a lot to help him this uh, preseason. So I think he definitely takes that third center spot, which I have no quarrel with. And then I don't think Perlini is going to be that guy on the third line right wing. You know, with the, with the injury to Zach Cassian, I am going to put, I think Colton Skivier gets there. I think he gets there to start the year. I think that makes sense. And then, and then that fourth line will be the Perlini Shore and um, Turris line. I, I think it will end up being Turris as a paper transaction. I hate to say it, but uh, I was really happy when I saw it. Then someone pointed out that out, and I was like, "Oh man, that sounds like the others." So, yeah, I think Turris makes the opening night roster just just based on him being in the best shape of his life. Um, moving over to defense. I don't think we're going to get any surprises there. I think it's there's Barry, Keith, CC, probably Cuckoo. Or no, maybe Russell. I think Russell makes over Cuckoo to start the year and um, plays with Bouchard. And then Mike Smith gets the starting nod. So that's mine. That's what I think we're going to see. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. A lot of that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I will just go backwards because he's, I don't know. So I'll start with the goaltender, Mike Smith. Uh, I agree for the most part, but I'm gonna, I'll just say, I'll say cuckoo instead of Russell, uh, just cause I don't want to repeat your, your <laughs> roster verbatim, I'd say, yeah, um, for sure. but it's, it's a toss up between those guys, but I think the rest of it is pretty, pretty obvious with, uh, Bouchard being the pair, uh, the guy paired with, with one of those two guys. And then, uh, obviously Keith and CC on the second pairing. And then the first pairing is, is chalk being uh Barry and, and nurse uh for the forwards I think the top six is very obvious I mean yeah there's no way it's not the dry line as a second line and then McDavid with with uh Pugliarvi and Hyman at least yeah. for the first game uh third line the thing I hate and like it's I think we both agree on this is that McLeod, we would like to see him in like the third spot, but then yeah. you didn't even have him in your roster at all. I don't think he'll make it to start the year. It just seems yeah. like everything is like the media coverage around the team and people who are obviously more plugged in than us. It just sounds like McLeod's There's not going to You can get a lot of hints just by paying attention and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you're right. I don't think he'll be on the opening night roster. Um, 
But I, you know what? I think I, I will say just like, you know, not related to this specific topic that he will uh, play more games than Derek Sh- or than uh, Devin Shore. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I'll say that about McLeod, but I think it'll be Devin Shore on the fourth line center. I think this third line center will be Ryan. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Ryan will play with, oh, Fogel. Fogel's obvious, as you said. Yeah. Um, I do like Colton Sevier is a, I, I wasn't really thinking that as a possibility of him making the third line. The third line is weird. Perlini there. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to say Perlini. Yeah. Um, yeah I, like, I like that. Yeah. I, it's more wishful thinking than anything. You may be right saying that it'll be Sevier rather than Perlini, but I'm, I'm just going to put Perlini there and, and hope slash, you know, predict slash hope that, <laughs> that, that Tibu puts in there. I think that this does uh, a, that goes a long way in making our right wing just that much better. Oh, yeah. Like a little deeper, right. Than having like a Cassian or, or a Skeevier there, but right oh, wing's yeah. pretty weak. And yeah. like, as far as we talked about how deep our forward depth is like right wing is not great in terms of depth and if yeah. you can switch Perlini sides it it makes it look a lot better mm-hmm. for sure uh so then I guess I just have the wingers on the fourth line I mean it just makes too much sense to have Kyle Turris as the fourth line right winger right yeah he's just uh, he's everyone's been banging that Kyle Turris drum all preseason all summer so Only then, waivers and not make the team. I don't know. I guess with the casting injury, that would open up a spot for Sevier as your could play the left side on the fourth line. I think that's a better spot for him than third line. I could put sure. him there, yeah. All right. All right. Well, I think that's a, yeah, I think for the most part, the roster is pretty set in stone and pretty easy to predict, but there are a few of those jobs that who knows what could happen. Who knows? Maybe Benson and McLeod do make it and make up two thirds of that fourth line. Cool. <laughs> I'd love it. I don't think it will happen. There's no chance in hell. I think with Tippett as a coach, no. I was a coach. Sure. But uh, yeah. So the others are, they open up their season on Wednesday, uh, October 13th for the home game against the Vancouver Canucks. And then they head over to Calgary on Saturday for their second game. Uh, against the flames so what do you think i think that's here as well huh saturday i'm pretty sure is is also here oh it is here oh you're right you're right i read the i read the schedule wrong so it's a two game uh it's a three game uh home opener to start the season i'm gonna focus on the first week here what do you think the others go do we open up with two straight wins yeah sure okay yeah Yeah. let's do it we're gonna sleep right off where we left off Oilers are sweeping this week no overtime nothing like that they duncan keith um really shoves it in my face even though i don't like him still <laughs> he really shoves it in my face this week i bet sure he gets two points awesome. i'll say two points <laughs> awesome well i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the copper and blue podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it and hey hockey's back let's uh let's be happy about it uh we'll talk to you guys next week